Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, we are back again with another episode. Uh, I am Jasper William Cartwright. And I'm Riando Nati Lewis Nyao, but everybody calls me Unati. And I am Jeremy Cobb, but some people call me Jay Cobb. Have I done that hmm. one before? Okay, Have you I running out? Before? No, there's a bunch. Is that's that, is, that's. Are you... <laughs> okay, fine. I can come up with it. I. I mean, that was just your name. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's like a specific. I so. But you remember when the Lonely Island did? I'm on a boat. Oh yes. Okay, oh. so my school for I was a senior in high school, and my school did a parody of that call, called called uh, because all the different classes made floats for homecoming, and so uh-huh. I I played T Pain. Uh, in their parody of I'm on a boat called I'm on a float. And so I had like, I owned a dreadlocks wig. Uh, my mom is Jamaican and, uh, I, and I had a top hat. And so I stuck the wig inside the top hat, put them both on and put on a pair of sunglasses and like a suit jacket. And I was Jay Cobb. Incredible. Okay, cool. Fair enough. That <laughs> yeah. was a justified story for that. And now we're going to seamlessly go into the intro music. Oh my god! You will come to terms with your own weakness! Old Prince vibe? Focus on your task! Yeah. Just shut your mouth! No one is interested! You think this is just a game? <laughs> Let's make them even more black! We're about to get into something real big now. So there's some new flavors in there, just so you know. So listen out. There's a couple. Oh, there's boy. a couple. It's changing. It's ever evolving. The intro, ever evolving. We just need to keep making more noises so that they yeah. can get through as many noises as possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I think my, my favorite part. Oh Jesus Lord, <laughs> save us please. Uh, my favorite part, I think, still was that from the previous one. Um, was um, oh, why is my mind my mind's gone blank? I can't remember what I was gonna say, but anyway, can't have been that important. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's gotta stay in. That's gonna no, it's not. It should it until really should. until someone takes the uh, role of editor away from me. I will choose. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but Sense. seriously, uh, I really need. I really want an editor. Uh, I will happily pay someone to edit these episodes. It takes so long. And I'm just. So, <laughs> I'm just so tired of hearing my own voice. I just want. Uh, I just want to take my. I, yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> I, no, but seriously, I just want to take. I, I I literally go through and I'm like. Oh, I've only cut me out of this episode. Because <laughs> <laughs> no. I'll just be like, oh, I'm talking for so long. Like, shut up, Jasper. Just <laughs> shut your mouth. No one is interested. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, oh, man. no. But it means that I sound like the best show host ever because I barely do an um or an uh. I actually do loads in the recording. I just take them out for the show. It's easy. <laughs> you add in, you you like pitch shift yours so that yeah. they sound like us and add them in for so that we're... Yeah, exactly. So I just, yeah. so it just... just sounds like you guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Let's dive in to today's episode. We are going to be discussing part two of 
the articles by James Mendes Hodes, Orcs, Britons, and the Martial Race Myth. This one dives into fantasy as it moved over towards uh, America and the invention of D&D. So it goes even more specifically about what we talk about on this show. And uh, the I would like to say the preface again, we did it in the last episode, but just wanted to say again that this is all coming from a place of love and learning. And that is what we want to encourage everyone to do. So please, please feel free to open a conversation with us. If anything that we have said uh, is either is, is difficult for you or troubling for you, we want to be having these conversations. That's the reason why we started this show. And yes, again, if you have any hateful reactions to this, if you uh, uh, we, then perhaps this is not the show for you. We want to have discussions here about love mm-hmm. and acceptance, not that hate. Uh, so, without further ado, let us dive into the second article by James uh, Mendes Hodes. Uh, who wants to kick us off this week discussing this uh, article? Well, I, uh, I I wanted to jump in and say that I felt so heard when he when he talked about how the the way that the text. Uh, describing the D text describing um elven beauty uh and it, it says mm. let's see it says the text elevates elven beauty above other races which has some racial and gendered dimensions uh where we learn under the heading slender and graceful that with their unearthly grace and fine features elves appear hauntingly beautiful to humans and members of many other races they are slightly shorter than humans on average ranging from well yeah. under five feet to just over six feet they are more slender than humans weighing only 100 to 145 pounds they also have no facial hair and little body hair and he says, well, that's definitely someone's standard of beauty, and I'm pretty sure I know whose. And that is something that I have been saying mm. for so long. I have long, I have a long-standing kind of resentment for Tolkien-like fantasy elves uh, because it feels... It's, be, it's because it always felt like they were a reflection of an ideal of beauty that was very specifically white and could not... Like, the way that it was depicted just did not include mm-hmm. people of color, or especially I've never felt myself, I never saw myself reflected in it. They're all, they're always the most pale group of people as well. Mm. And it's, it's, and in D&D, I mean, it's, yeah. uh, they're, they're not always pale. There are some sub-races that are perhaps more bronze-skinned, but it's the only sub-race in D&D that is explicitly stated to have dark skin is evil. Uh, yep. it's, yep. yeah. Yeah. I think it speaks for itself. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I think the, um, I think their description of elves is something that is something that perpetuates a, a, a really difficult thing that I think we've all been dealing with for, we all deal with on a daily basis as a person of color, which is that we are not the mainstream mm. ideal of beauty. Uh, mm. And again, take it back to the point we made in the previous episode is that we is that that is one of a, a very real world implication of these kinds of stereotypes and these kind of narratives and they are enforced when you play games i remember pl- exactly like we all i think all three of us mentioned how we wanted to play a certain character on the playground mm-hmm. but we weren't allowed to because we didn't kind of look necessarily like them um oh. whereas our like you know slightly taller than average blonde friend with blue eyes was always going to be legolas because he was tall mm-hmm. and he was beautiful and do you know what i mean and that was the oh. perception of him but which has been reinforced through this this kind yeah. of works so i think you you're mm. absolutely you're absolutely right there but, um 
I would just like to say right now, take this opportunity to say, Sebastian, we are all so beautiful though. Yes. Sebastian, yeah. <laughs> so many shades, so many colors, so many permutations, yes. man. Absolutely. Absolutely, uh, beauty is within the eye of the beholder, and I think that uh, you are absolutely right in that. I think everyone should have the right to feel beautiful and comfortable within their own skin, and it should not be reserved for these tall, reserved, um, often, often annoying yeah. <laughs> elves who live in trees. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, and that's that quote actually was from the fifth edition player's handbook. That that's what he was quoting from. I just found in the article. So it's that's a current description of elves. Yes. Yeah. Um, and again, speaks to the fact that the current, uh, still the current uh, description of orcs is almost the exact opposite because they are not allowed to be in any way uh, uh, beautiful or elegant or graceful mm. or or uh, they cannot possess any of these features whatsoever. Um, yeah, which is which is which is nonsense because mm. you know. Um, Lawrence Tlolislatla, the troublemaker Fishburn, is a very handsome mm. man. Mm-hmm. He's a very handsome og. Mm, a yes. big, beautiful, bald man. Big, beautiful, bald man. <laughs> oh, I was gonna, I was gonna throw out as well I, mm. his descriptions of the, the other races. It says the true exotics. Uh, the true Res- exotics. <laughs> this was. This is. This is fun. So, just to preface this as well, that the there is the standard humanoid races. This is again. This is what it says within the books itself, the current D and D books. Um, uh, the, it describes the. Uh, standard races as uh, is it? Am I right in saying humans, dwarves, elves, and halflings? Yes. Uh, and then it goes on to discuss the exotic races, which mm-hmm. again, even looking at the word exotic, clearly has ramifications for the way that the Western world is going to perceive what and who <laughs> these races are. It is yeah. it is as clear as day. So yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and with the. Uh, okay. Yeah, a hulking dragonborn, a sly tiefling lurking in the shadows with mischief in her eyes. A group of gnomes laughing at a clever wooden toy that, that one of them made that moves of its own accord. Half elves and half orcs live and work alongside humans without fully belonging to the races of either of their parents. <sighs> that was a personal uh, gripe for me. That one. I'll get onto that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there, well out of the sunlight, is a lone drow, a fugitive from the subterranean expanse of the Underdark, trying to make his way in a world that fears his kind. Oof. Hey. Yeah, and th- I think he makes the great point that says, "Wait, we have the, the normal races that uh, Jasper just mentioned, and the exotics that I just read." And he says, "But he says, wait, human and elves are both normal, yes! but race mixing Woo-hoo! results in an exotic." Yes, uh, I wanted to. We since we're here, I wanted to jump in on this one uh, because this is something that I really uh, was kind of blown away when I when I first read this by uh, James because I think he managed to, whilst talking about D and D and fantasy, sum up some of how I have felt about myself for a long long time and that was a really fascinating experience for me uh being someone who is considered mixed race i would also like to point out this is my race revelation is that i am only considered mixed race because you can tell that i am mixed race everyone is mixed race we all have different mm. uh, um uh, races mixed within us where if you do a ancestry uh um 
and find what your lineage is, you will find that you mm-hmm. almost certainly have uh, a culture from all over the world because we are have, have existed on this earth for many thousands of years, and that is what happens. So anyway, we are all mixed race. You're here. But you can tell I am mixed race, and therefore I am called mixed race. And I think that this is something that I just it, it leapt off the page when I read it. Uh, there is a part of the article which says we need to talk about half orcs. Uh, and I think mm. going to that, that, that quote you just said there about not belonging to either uh, of the parents' lineage, that is exactly how I have felt as someone of mixed heritage uh, in my throughout my entire life. It's something that I've always felt really, I've really uh, struggled with being told that I wasn't white nor black enough. And I think that this is a really unhelpful uh, thing that, that is contained within these books is the idea that you are neither one thing nor another you are not enough of one thing or that you are somehow held back by uh, another thing I think within the book it says um, let me see if I can find there is a there basically is an example where uh, it says that the half orcs and half humans uh, are they have the half orcs have an advantage over orcs because of their human side uh. so it basically is saying that one half of you is good and one half of you is bad. And the dichotomy within yourself and how it makes you feel as a person of mixed heritage is incredibly difficult to deal with. Um, and then this is the last thing that I'll say on this specific uh, topic is that the there is a, in a slightly older version, so it is a slightly older version, uh, but in the 3.5 uh, rule, bo- r- rule book, it says half orcs are monstrosities. Their tragic births are the result of perversion and violence, or at least that is how other races see them. That alone, as a sentence, is so deeply troubling. And as and this is exactly the kind of reason why I, as someone who uh, of mixed heritage, would have picked that book up as a kid and gone, no way, I, I, I can't, I can't, like yeah. because you're saying that someone of mixed race is a monstrosity, and like you said. Mm that somehow mixing two races then doesn't allow you to become a part of the core, beautiful, uh, excellent race. You are a part of the exotic races that come from somewhere else and are somehow different because you don't fit in and because we can tell. So Mm -hmm. I would just like to say, I think that's just a general thing that I would like to challenge anyone, is that when you're approaching a mixed race person to ask where they're from, realize the only reason you're asking this person specifically is because you can tell that they're different to you and not because they are actually inherently any different to mm-hmm. you at all. Anyway, rant over. Apologies. That we was great, man. That was great. Um, but, that was great. Uh, I loved that. Uh, but yeah, I really wanted to bring that up because it really, mm. really jumped out at me. Uh, and so, yeah, James, if you listen to this, thank you so much. Uh, it was a genuine gift, that, um, that explanation. Mm. Um. Anyway, moving on, uh, because there's so much within this uh, to discuss. I thought what we should do is, uh, in the last article, we discussed how J.R.R. Tolkien had some very clear views on the way that he built orcs to be that uh, to be representative of the Asian uh, uh, race and the Asian threat. Um, this week, uh, as we move over into America and the creation of D&D, we see how uh, James talks about how the uh, personification of orcs changed from being the Asian threat to being either the Native American or black threat in the way that they are often described. Um, if you guys have got anything ready on this particular topic, feel free oh, to Oh, yeah, jump in. I was going to say. Okay, yeah. um, so leading on from the half-orc conversation... 
the the words that are used in that where uh, he use uh, savage fury, barbaric customs, uh, things like that. He lists a horde, terror, tribe, barbaric, savage. I've heard all this before. These are the words colonizers apply to natives everywhere. In an American context, now that Asians are a model minority, we usually hear these terms applied to Africans and Native Americans. Mm. Which... I, it's exactly what I said when we were talking about the last article. That that's that's who we see now as the quote unquote martial yeah. races, uh, and Asians have been moved over to being what uh, model minority. For those of you who aren't familiar with the term, it essentially means the minority that the 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 minor the majority looks at as a good example quote unquote of what a minority group should be and mm-hmm. how they should behave. So in the sense that Asians would be considered a model minority in the United States because they are often known for the stereotypes about them would be that they're very, very smart, very good at math, mm-hmm. they're very polite, they're very hardworking, that they achieve great things. They all go to, you know, university to try and uh, become doctors or those kinds of professions, like very exalted professions and that sort of thing. That's essentially why Asians would be considered a model yeah. minority Ooh, in the yeah. U.S. Uh, and I think that's really, it's a really interesting thing because he goes on to talk about how even like the media narrative within the U.S. and other places around the world kind of perpetuates that narrative and the way we think about them as or way we think about uh, uh, Native Americans or, or Africans as being somehow barbaric or uh, when it speaks to white violence uh, it is it is not described in the same way that it is dis- when it when they describe black on black violence for instance it is considered mm. it's it's gang culture it's it's barbaric it's unruly unkept whereas white violence is organized or an mm-hmm. organization um, so there's a it's a, even within that you can see how mm-hmm. this stereotype right here on the page within D&D is perpetuated throughout the wider community and the wider society which is why I think it's incredibly important that we have these conversations um, mm, absolutely yeah and I think it's also very much worth saying just because somebody is considered a model minority that's still a negative stereotype because it's yeah. forcing people into a set of boundaries that are often not true of that person or are unfair expectations of that person. Mm-hmm. And it is, it essentially, it dehumanizes them because it, it still others them and puts them in a category of, Oh, they're all that way. Yeah. And it does not allow room for any variation mm-hmm. uh, and for them to be individual or people. nuanced or yeah. Flawed. Uh, mm-hmm. All the things that we've discussed about uh, many, mm-hmm. many times before. Um, uh, how about you, Unati? Was there anything in particular from this uh, article that resonated with you? Um, I mean, I mean, naturally, like a lot of it did. I guess I'm just a little bit quiet right now because I made the mistake of like looking up the second article and then I followed a Reddit link and I don't know why I did that because then I read all of the the comments on the article and I was like, I just got very, very, no, oh no, very, very tired. <laughs> Never go through the comment section. <laughs> I don't know why. I know better. I know better and i did it to myself like they completely also missed the point because like they're discussing how orcs are a representation like how the assertion is that orcs are a representation of black people i'm like did you read it Mm. did you actually even read it did you bother Mm. to engage in it Mm. um um, and um yeah yeah, so i'm gonna need a second y'all keep talking okay well on that point that you just raised (laughs) on that point that you just raised you nati we're not trying to argue that wizards of the coast intentionally is drawing these comparisons 
Uh, I don't think that people in Wizards are like, Ha-ha, let's make them even more black. Uh, I think I think that the the idea is to the idea is that actually what I mentioned when we talked about the first article. Whenever you create something, whenever you make something up, you're drawing from your own experiences, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And as a result of that, a lot of your own biases are often going to show up in that work. Mm -hmm. And we've already talked about how the orcs in, in the original Lord of the Rings series were intended by Tolkien to be a representation of Asian people. So it was already built in. And over time, what this article does a great job of chronicling is over time, the, as Asians became a model minority, the, the idea of orcs and these monstrous uh, beings, these monstrous people, semi-people essentially, translated, especially in the United States, to the idea of black people and Native Americans. That's, it, it, was, not a, it was not a conscious process necessarily in some cases it was but in, in, in wide society it's not like every single person thought like ah, nah let's make them yeah. brown now it's it's just yeah. that's how it happened and those biases have have since shown mm. up in the game and as we've said before wizards is attempting to take steps to correct some of these problems they i think we talked about the article that they yes the the statement that they released mm. very, it's this is just illustrating how necessary that change actually is and how yeah. ingrained these things are within our yeah. within our society is that, yeah. that, that when creating these uh, stories and things that you can do and say things like now we've pointed them out. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are probably sitting there thinking like, what? You're like I was, I was absolutely sitting there. Like when I actually went and sat and thought about the description of orcs versus the description of elves and what that represents, etc. I was so shocked by just almost like not seeing that and not understanding that. Um, before and so what i think we're saying is it's so systemic within our uh societies is that we we don't even pick it up we don't even see that that is the yeah. case um yeah. which i think is crazy mm. yeah yeah and and these things have real world implications as well mm. and i think that's it, he actually talks about that in the article mm. just the idea first of all the basic idea of dehumanizing someone he he mentions a quote, an incident from a a a con, a Balticon in 2019, in which a a I believe a white woman security guard mentions that there were a number of black men who were very disrespectful yes. of her, despite her status as a security guard, and she said that to her, those men weren't human, they're not mm, people. Okay, mm, okay, <laughs> and. Of, uh, the I the he mentions that the woman who was on the panel immediately shut that down, but those ideas still exist. And in fact, he talks about uh, orc posting. Yeah, orc yeah. Posts. Wow, these were something. These yeah. were really something. Um, and that there's screenshots from the Lord of the Rings films with modern headlines overlaid on them, and orcs replacing refugees, immigrants, Muslims, and similar groups that the alt right accuses of attacking and destroying Western mm. civilization. 
Yeah. So he says, so hey, even if you don't make that connection, these guys who I dread running into at Renaissance fairs and gaming conventions mm. do. They're using orc as a cipher for people who look like me and people I care about. Now they can freely imply brown people are savage hordes who deserve to die. If someone calls them on it, they get to say, how dare you make the connection between orcs and people of color when I was merely talking about fictional monsters. You are the real racist. Yeah. Yes. You, yeah. That is that. And therein lies the problem. It is because it's the double standard. It can automatically be used as a weapon and a defense. And and then and then you're mm. gaslit into thinking that you're the one who has the problem. Yeah. And 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 I think what's I think what's really impo- important in discussions going further, um, just that, that anyone is having is just listen. You're not there mm. to respond. You're not there to go. Oh no, but that wasn't necessarily how it went down. You're there to listen and understand that particular person's experience. Because then out here, the alt right are busy showing their asses mm. and engage and, and and engaging in discussions about mm. people of color or, or finding ways that they can speak to each other and code about mobilizing, whatever the case may be, um, due to these hurtful stereotypes. Mm-hmm. But it's all just fantasy, right? No, that's no longer a valid argument. Mm, mm. I think, that's a, I think that's a really, really mm, good point. And I think that it speaks to, I think, a lot of what is happening with the Black Lives Matter movement and a lot of yeah. what's happening in terms of internal discussions within organizations like Wizards of the Coast uh, is that we are now saying that it is not, necess- it is not about you being... Um, uh, not racist is about you being anti-racist and about having a united front because the difference is or the big the big issue is is that the alt-right is loud uh, these people are loud these people are aggressive and that we cannot stand on our own mm. against this that we need to be stood with uh, people of every color and every background yeah. uh, together to say that this just simply isn't okay whether you are yeah. discriminating against someone who's Asian against the black uh, you know Polynesian Pan-Asian whatever it is that yeah. you uh that we all stand together in this thing uh, against that and we reject that thing because I think exactly that the fact that he feels or he has he is even slightly uh, afraid of running into a certain type of people at an event like that is so deeply saddening because you're yeah I mean I avoid cons completely I the last time I went to a con I think I went the last con I went to was was in South Africa and I'm very and I mean like I had a negative experience there Mm. um and I, mm. I i i felt incredibly othered um i was um i was looked at with well mm. th- there were two ways i was othered there was the oh my god you're so cool you're not like the other blacks which is mm. not an exciting mm. thing to say <laughs> and then and then the other way is what oh, are you man. doing here this space is not is not for you this is our fantasy space this is our sci-fi space or anime space mm-hmm. um you guys don't like this stuff you're supposed to like hip-hop and i don't know <laughs> drink 40s or whatever <laughs> like, I'm like okay i still i still like a little hip-hop but i also yeah. like mikasa hey, like i don't understand why that's so complicated hey did you know did you know as a human being because that's what i am let's not forget yeah. i'm a human yeah. being that yeah. i actually have multiple interests <laughs> you know <laughs> like like um, how what a crazy thought you know what, actually what a, what i also enjoy fishing yes. <laughs> hot take I, I, I do actually like fishing i enjoy that's what i mean but yeah. i think if you try to explain to yeah. some of these people that you like you know as a, a person of color you like fishing they'll be like what but that's what you do around the lake with your white family yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. what i mean this podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique, and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. 
How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Um, so um, I, I, that completely really resonated with me because um, I haven't been to con in the UK purely because I'm, I don't want to go through that experience. Mm. I don't want to get dressed up, make my, make my cosplay, um, get all excited for an event, get there and immediately feel othered again. Sure. I just, I, I don't want, I don't want to have to re-traumatize myself, but then I'm immediately cutting myself off from a lovely, glorious um, community experience. But yeah. purely out of fear because of what I've experienced before. And yeah. that's sad. And I think that this is exactly the point, And this is really, I really can't stress this enough about why we made this podcast and why we want to get people involved and why we want to create a community. It's because we want people to realize that this is what's happening around them. And I think genuinely there is a, there is a, a um, there is a, a genuine truth to like, I've, I didn't see that. I know that for, for me, I have failed to engage with this before. Like I've probably seen that kind of behavior and not said anything and not helped and not sort of checked mm-hmm. in if someone was okay. And this is the sort of thing that we really want to challenge our community to do is to, if you see this kind of behavior, to be able to call, to feel comfortable enough to call it out and to be, and, and even if not call them out, just go and check in with that person. Go, you know, if you see someone who you feel is being unfairly othered in that way, go and check in, see how they're doing, see if you can kind of, yeah, give them that positive experience yeah, from absolutely. going to a con and, yeah. um, and that sort of thing. Because I think that we need to do better in terms of just looking after each other in this in this yeah. uh, in this environment and in this world. And I think ultimately we all want it because that enriches the experience for all of us. Like yeah. I'm not like that. You know, yeah. I cannot express enough how bored I am of the fiddle. Let's get <laughs> some different music. Oh, the loot. Let's get some different colors. Yeah. Oh, the loot. Yeah, and the loot. Like just come. Like let's just get some different instruments. Let's get some different influences. Let's, at least get a hurdy gurdy. You know. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, you know something. You know, I mean, I, I mean, just even on that point, like, because I just suddenly had the instinct, like, oh, if I start playing something that's got a load of drums in it, people are generally speaking in yep. that kind of setting, people mm. are immediately going to make the the association that war's about to go down. I'm like, no, no. we also use drums to send our spirits to the ancestors to communicate messages and contact the other side. Yep. It's about heartbeat. It's yep. not just war. Like, guys, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, I need yeah. a nap. I need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, guys, to, to for those point, of you who can't see this, uh, Yunati has just pulled out her jewel-encrusted pillow and is now lying yeah. upon it. Uh, yeah, she's draped. Been, yeah, yeah, she yeah, has yeah, draped yeah. herself. Oh. Wait, wait, who's? What's that hand coming in with some grapes to feed you? Uh, who's that? We should get them on the show. 
Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I have, I have serious issues with indentured servitude. <laughs> it's not indentured. Hey, this person is I didn't say you weren't paying them. Yeah, You've got loads okay. of money. This person, this person <laughs> makes more money than either I or Jasper. Yeah, exactly. This person is rich. They enjoy yeah. their job. All they've got to do is feed you some grapes yeah. and they're getting like a six-figure salary. She, sure. Yunati treats them very well. It's just that Very their job well. is to yeah. feed her grapes and fan her, yeah. fan her with solid <laughs> diamond palm leaves. Yeah, and then they get excellent holiday packages. There's a great timeshare in yeah. Bali. Like, you know, it's- <laughs> they get dental. <laughs> they get dental. <laughs> they get dental. They get dental, guys. Uh, you want that booper health insurance? You can get it. You can get it. You need that right now. Yunati uh, is actually taking applications. Let me know if you have yeah. an opening. I, I will. <laughs> I'm happy to apply. <laughs> oh, oh, here are the God. tears. It happens every time oh, we record. There's it. at least one point where I'm crying with laughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, and I think, and I think, what just happened is really indicative of like the fact that you can have these conversations and have it not turn into a bloody culture war. Yes. Like you can actually. Yes. We just want to talk. We're yeah. not blaming you. Yeah. No one is... that. We want to have fun. Fun. Yeah, we just want to talk, have fun. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, I mean, I know this might be a little bit of a digression, but I was watching um, uh, the Daily Show, behind the scenes Daily Shows, where Trevor Noah is just kind of talking about random stuff. Oh yeah, and. Um, one of them, he was kind of asked what he would like to what he would like to sort of bring over from South Africa into the states. Um, and one of the things was normal mm. chickens, normal sized chickens, but also <laughs> our ability to discuss race freely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to and to discuss those issues because we very recently went through um, you know mm. the end of our sort of segregationist um, society, um, and we and we had the Truth and Reconciliation Commissions after that. Now whether those were um, effective mm-hmm. or not, that's another discussion. Um, but um, there at least was that kind of olive branch kind of extended. I mean, it, it was a bit of a shambles, to be fair. But the attempt... You tried. It was a shambles. The attempt was made, the, yeah. The attempt was made... I tried. The attempt was made to have conversations. And I find that when I have conversations with my fellow South Africans about race, be they white, be they POC, it's easier to engage them. Um, uh, not That's a massive generalization, because trust me, that's a massive generalization. But I find mm. that at least you can have the discussion and still have a bond. Yeah. Like there's like we, we, we can we can unpack things together. We can talk mm. about difficult subjects. And in fact, we need to talk about difficult subjects, race, mental health issues, all manner of things. Yeah. Yeah. And still and still know that we can come out of the other side better improved more well informed no one's blaming you for anything man (laughs) (laughs) but i think but i think you're absolutely right i think that that is exactly it we just need to realize that we are not there is no blame culture is not going to get us anywhere (laughs) unless you actually are to blame that's a whole different thing in which case i'm definitely going to point the finger (laughs) the blame hammer comes yeah you'll get it But, (laughs) but i think that what we're saying yeah, exactly. But I think what we're saying is that if you are just, if you are, for instance, within D&D, if you're participating in this and you are a DM who potentially has run something or has done something that it, it, uh, we might consider problematic, there is no blame attached to that. We are literally here to try to help and have a conversation mm-hmm. with you as to why that might be problematic, as to why we can do better and why not only, and this is the big thing I would say as well, not only will doing better generally uh, uh just is better for the society and, and and this sort of thing but it will enrich your games and i think that's the big thing yeah. we're saying is that we are giving you tools to enrich your games and to make them even better than they currently are as yeah. opposed to and, and i and i think that's the that's the beautiful thing um 
I remember Jeremy, you brought up in a discussion we were having uh, off mic about uh, Dimension Twenty having the uh, 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 sorry, uh, what the sensitivity consultants, sen- sensitivity co- uh, consultants. Yeah. Um, and I think that again, that having them is not just for the sake of having them because it's the right thing to do, but it's also like it enriches the game. It allows mm. you to see things from a different perspective. It allows you to bring new things to your game which you wouldn't necessarily have thought of before. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's something mm-hmm. we could all do for each other. We can all be sensitivity coaches for each other. Do you know what I mean? We can Absolutely. all talk about our own experiences and bring something new. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's so many facets of, of society that I would love to bring into my D&D games, which I am not yet, like, well-versed enough to feel comfortable to bring it into the game. But I want to, yeah. and I will do eventually. Yeah. So let's mm-hmm. all be there to, like, yeah. you know, uplift each other. All, yeah, exactly that. Let's all do that work together. Like, I would love to... Because, I mean, me as me as a person of colour, and but, but, but specifically as a black person, I, I have... I mean, there's so much that um, I haven't necessarily learned about my own cultures and other cultures from the continent. But then also acknowledging that I know very little about Southeast Asians. Mm. I know very little about East Asia. Mm. I know very little about the Middle East. And so now mm. that, that now taking on a personal responsibility to educate myself to and, and not make it not go up to like somebody, you know, who um, presents <laughs> as though they're from the Middle East and go, you, it's your, now your job to educate me on your culture. Yes. Ah, no, no, yeah. I can yeah. pick up a book. It's fine. It's yes, okay. Yes, Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's your personal responsibility. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, 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 and yeah. also, don't attach shame to yourself in doing that. Yeah. Do yeah, not yeah. attach yeah. shame yeah. to yourself in doing that. Do not think because I'm having to educate myself that it is I'm somehow shamed because I haven't educated myself before this point. That is yeah. not the case. Yeah, it's not the case. Uh, and yeah. there's, uh, I was going to say, there's a balance also that can be struck. I think between asking someone to stand in as a representation of their race and simply just asking a friend about their experiences. Mm, yeah. If friends, friends, part of friendship is caring in most cases is caring about what, how your friend feels. And if you simply engage with your friend who happens to be of a different uh, ethnic background, racial background, anything as a friend, if you simply engage with them in those parts, I think it can be very, healthy for Absolutely. the relationship to just say to just bring up those issues yeah. from time to time and don't ignore them i think some people feel very uncomfortable about those issues and they don't like yeah. to bring them up and i think while that is definitely an understandable conclusion then it at least for me when i've had that situation it creates a feeling that either my white friends do not care about this issue mm. or that they are not interested like they're they're afraid of the issue and in both cases, mm-hmm. it makes it uncomfortable for me because it feels like they are uncomfortable with that aspect of my identity and they, they don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. engaging with it at all. So it's, it's a definitely yeah. a balance, I think, that, you, that needs to be struck between being like, tell me everything about your culture and your people and you need to tell me what all people of your background think about all of these <laughs> issues right now. Um, yeah. I love the way you put into a full like Gandalf round of fire smoking a pipe. This is very important, Frodo. I need you to very tell important. me what every hobbit thinks about the, the situation <laughs> with the Urukai. Do we think? Do we think the, the the racial implications of having this group of of mechanized people that have been created from a combination of trees, dark magic, and another group of racially evil people? Do we think that that's wrong, or do, or do we think that that maybe re, could be? Re- because they are, in fact, larger <laughs> and smarter than the other orcs, and they can go out under the sun. It's, it's very important. 
the difference with this Gandalf is he's not going to get instantly defensive when the uh, when the when the yeah. Hobbit calls him out on his problematic views. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm very sorry. For have a discussion. I, I didn't mean <laughs> yes. to make you the representative for all halflings. It's very. It was wrong of me. I apologize. I will go and read through the scrolls and texts and educate myself. Do not take me for a simple racist. <laughs> you know what, Frodo? You know what, Frodo? I understand that you don't like to stick out amongst groups of other people as a hobbit. But I'm telling you right now, I believe that if you are comfortable, you should embrace your culture. For you shall not pass! <laughs> uh, all I can think of then was just like, of, of, of the problematic version of Gandalf being like, It's okay, Frodo, I actually don't see height. <laughs> um, uh, if you know, oh. you know. Uh, yeah. It's okay. I have I have hobbit friends. I, I have, small, I have friends who are friends. <laughs> <laughs> and even some taller ones. Um, oh wow! So I can talk about this. Oh dear. Um, we, I feel like we've come to a very natural place again. There is so much within these articles. Uh, that mm. are infinitely more nuanced than anything we are going to say as well. I just want to preface that. But this is all our opinion. This is our knee-jerk reaction. This is us reading them as three very passionate people of colour. Go and read these articles. They are so well put together. They are so well thought mm. out. And there is so much more to unpick. Um, yeah. Well, in fact, one shout-out. Dimension 20. Uh, one of the players in Dimension 20 Season 4, Tiny Heist, is actually in a video that is cited from this article. Oh, cool. Or cited in, the, I think, the first article. Yeah. She appears, her name is Lily Dew. She's oh, awesome. Yes. She's great in Dimension 20 and she's great in Amazing. the video. So, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, uh, so go ahead, uh, check out these uh, these articles. The links will be in the description. Uh, I will try and tag uh, James if he wants to be uh, a part of this conversation uh, on Twitter as well. Uh, it would be so awesome if, if uh James would uh, talk I to us about this. I will share my jewels. Uh, yeah. <gasps> you know he's offering to share her jewels, James. You have done it. That's that's how important yes. this is. Yes. That's the how important. Have my hypothetical jewels. <laughs> you yes. can have some of you know, these hypothetical jewels. The re- I mean, uh, once again, the reason these take so long for Jasper to edit is because he's having to get out all the clinking. Yes, so from much Nazi's clinking. Uh, it's just the rings yeah. on the fingers as well. And jangling. Like, uh, how, can you bend your fingers? With that yeah. I mean, it's, it's really hard work. They don't. Like, yeah. They're really strong. I've got gains in my hands right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just the most ma- muscular, um, impressive yeah, forearms. Yeah, you see her. Like she actually crushes d20s now when she picks them up because she's just so strong. <laughs> <laughs> she makes her own diamonds now by just squeezing coal. Squeezing coal. That's how she does it. That's how she does it. Uh, I think now is a great time for us to move on because we have another. Wiz of the Rings uh, section for you. Oh yeah! Yeah! This week on Wiz of the Rings, we are going sci-fi as we discuss Star Wars original trilogy, of course. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and do an all-minority uh, recasting of some of our favourite characters within the original st- uh, series of Star Wars. Once again, I would like to shout out, if you do enjoy this section, please drop us a note on uh, Twitter at TBHalflings and tell us what movies you would like us to uh, recast. And I would like to preface this again before everyone gets angry and starts hating on me. We are not necessarily saying that this version of the film would be better. We are just saying it would be different and cool. That's mm. all. Yeah. Anyway, without further ado, mm-hmm. Star Wars, 
Where better to start, Luke Skywalker? I've already won this one, but I'll let you guys throw out your secondary ideas. All right, uh, I was gonna throw out our boy John Boyega. Heyo! Um, I think we should mention we should always mention John Boyega at least once during these recasts from now on. Yes, John Boyega <laughs> yes, will be cast yes. in every single film. Yeah. Yes. Uh, everyone will find a role. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah. find a role. I mean, I'm gonna be crucified because I'm just gonna do I'm gonna do the unthinkable and go Star Wars. Meh. <laughs> I'm nothing if not honest. I'm like, oh, man. Uh, look, it's Unati's turn to be the agent of chaos this week, okay, Jeremy? <laughs> just so realize that's okay. That I mean, I'll let her. I'll chaos. let her take this. She can take this. Yeah, she's gonna be hiding in a <laughs> fortress so of jewels from 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 the raging mobs of fans. Just 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 funding Star Trek movies all over the place. Exactly. Um, I'm a Trekkie. Leave me alone. Um. So my thoughts for Luke Skywalker was Dev Patel. Yes. Oh, wow. I know. I know. Wow. Yes. Not a bad casting. I would say I think he's a little old at this point. Well, I was kind of th so I was thinking about this. Partially, the reason I think he's appeared as a lot older in films is he's beard. He's a bearded, strong boy now. You know, <laughs> he's got a beautiful yeah, beard. Yeah. He's got a beautiful beard. I think if we take the beard off, I think he's gonna be fine. I really think he's gonna be yeah, fine. Yeah, he's gonna be okay. Uh, but I think that he's just got the right sensibility. He's got that wide-eyed wonder feel to him yeah. when he yeah. plays those roles. That's a good I think he's really like he's phys he looks physically comparable. I'm like I totally buy that he could yeah. uh, he could lead this uh, glorious rebellion. Uh, next up. Han Solo. Uh, Yunati, do you want to go first or am I jumping in? Yeah, you go ahead. I'm so mad. Uh, <laughs> you've just <laughs> mad our entire... Okay, fine. Uh, uh, for Han Solo, I decided this one might be an interesting twist on the character. Tessa Thompson was who I picked. Oh, that'd be really cool. I think she could do a really good oh. job with that role. Now suddenly yeah. Minati's not so meh, huh? Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, listen, listen. Yeah, I, I, I didn't say. I, look, I have seen the films. I'm not a complete, you know, um, agent of chaos, but still meh. But Jessica Thompson, I would be at the cinema. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna raise you uh, with another uh, gender reversal that I had down. Uh. Regina King. Yeah, Regina. I don't know oh, if you so guys good. have watched oh, Watchmen. Yeah. So good. Yeah. We could do a whole episode yeah. on. We could do a whole episode. Yeah. Honestly, on that one show. of the best modern TV yeah. series I think uh, I've ever watched. I that love series that show. was. Yeah, yeah. Me that, too. That, that's a good choice. That's a very yeah, good Regina choice. King. She, I think she, she would kill it. And again, in that in Watchmen, she's definitely got that like vigilante, free will, and doesn't give a shit kind of opinion. And yeah. I just would love to see her slay a role. It'd be like, like a Solo. scarier Han Solo, like a harder oh, yeah. edge Han. Yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that I think she cool. could definitely still have all of that kind of like bravado, yeah, you know, yeah. walk into a She'd joint, everyone goes quiet, and he's like, you know, she's like, what, what, what are you saying? I just, yeah, Regina King. Mm -hmm. would I mean, be... yeah, because she, cause she definitely has that energy because of um, like just just of her, her portrayal of the two brothers and the boondocks. Mm. She can absolutely bring all of that charisma and yeah. all that fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah I didn't even yeah, know yeah, she yeah, did. Yeah. I didn't even know she did the vo uh, the voices for those characters. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, she's Huey. She's Huey and Riley. Oh yeah, wow! I, I did know that. I yeah. did that purely because I looked up. I was looking at Regina King's thing earlier and was like, "What? She was in the Boondocks? No way!" That's yeah. so cool. Um, very very cool. Uh, love that. Uh, Princess Leia. Anyone got any Princess Leia? Uh, I had Gugu Mbatha Raw because uh, yeah. she is just she's perfect. She's, yeah, she's perfect, and she would be incredible. I had uh, Letitia Wright. Oh yeah. Letitia Wright. Yeah. Or yeah. Peter. Yeah, oh, yeah. Luke Peter would be, oof. 
Yeah. Again, I feel like she's older. I feel like she skews older than Princess Leia does. But I think it's, I it could work. Uh, then this but... is also this is also part of my thing though. Like with this is a general thing about a like, general comment on fantasy. Maybe this is a bit of a shade throw as well. It's like quite often in fantasy we like make people look far too. Like we say like, oh, there's a fifteen. Like that's not, they're not fifteen. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the core characters are always way too young, in my opinion. I'm just like, yeah. they're not that age. That's just a lie. <laughs> no, <it's> not, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I think so. I think it's yeah. perfectly fine that the queen or the princess of the of the rebellion could be a little older. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Than, yeah, like yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it. The twenty yeah, odd. Like, you know, that especially she has the film. with that whole thing. It's like once you're once you sort of hit a certain like point in your career as a woman, like you suddenly are irrelevant. <laughs> like like you're yeah, not twenty five anymore. I'm like it, no, no, nah, which is ridiculous. No. It, you should be coming into your, your coming into your power at that point not exactly. not diminishing like exactly. um i have a uh, great session for emperor palpatine Ooh, i want to hear this sydney portier yeah see i considered him Ooh. i think he could do yeah. a really good job i think he, could do I really think he would job. do a great job yeah uh i think he's got he's got the gravitas he's got the weight i was like I was like, you know what? I would, I would watch the heck out of that film. I would watch yeah. the heck out of that film. Yeah. Uh, do you have any more that you wanted to throw out? Yeah, yeah, I do. I actually have. I'm, I'm can't remember the actor's name, so I'm looking it up right now. Because now that you've mentioned Sidney Poitier, I have a potential counter example or uh, another, another person who I think would oh, be a for, very uh, interesting. Yeah, for Palpatine. For unlimited power. <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh. Uh, I just want to say as well, uh, Palpatine in the prequels is probably my favorite character in the entirety of Star Wars to quote because it's just so ridiculous. I it's love truly it so much, especially the do it, do it, do it. <laughs> I loved um, it. Okay, okay. So he funny. is most famous as a voice actor. In his his most famous mm-hmm. role in an actual in a live action, not actual, just a live action film, was as Marvin. In Pulp Fiction, um, I can't. Ah, I'm, tr- I'm okay. on the Wikipedia page for Pulp Fiction, and I cannot find his name. Um, he's re- he played he played Static Shock. He played uh, John Stewart, the the Green Lantern in Justice League. He's oh. a, re- a Phil Lamar. That's his name, Phil Lamar. I just remembered. He's really good. A great voice actor, and I I think that for Palpatine, Pal- especially in the original trilogy, he's built out of voice and atmosphere, and I think 100%. that Phil Lamar would yeah. like r- he would just crush that. Really. Yeah, I think he would be really good. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a great suggestion. I had uh, some thoughts for Obi Wan as well, the slightly mm-hmm. older Obi Wan. Uh, I had Jeffrey Wright. Oh yeah, uh, he's, in, uh, Ooh, he's got a great voice. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's got such yeah. a good voice. I just feel like appearing. I just have images of him appearing as a force ghost to Dev yeah. Patel in the middle of a desert, and it just gives me. Oh, it just gives me. He could feel, be if, oh, if you didn't so get cool. James Earl Jones back for Darth Vader. You could actually use Jeffrey Wright yeah, for Darth yes. Vader. For sure, yeah. for sure. I also had Orlando Jones. I don't know if you guys watch American Gods. Ooh, I definitely recognize uh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. He's um, he's an incredible actor. Um, he's a Nancy, right? Yes, yeah, so Nancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so annoyed that they tr- that they're putting him out. That's an episode on his own. I think That's he was a- too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, that is definitely an episode to itself. Mm. Uh, (laughs) So I had some Obi Wan thoughts. Yes, throw out some Uh, Obi Wan. Because the because the original inspiration. I originally I was gonna say Lawrence Fishburne, 
and I think he would kill it. Mm -hmm. But I yeah, thought sure. about it, and because the original, in the original cast of Star Wars, the role of Obi-Wan, I believe before it was offered to Alec Guinness, was offered to the Japanese actor Toshiro Mifune, uh, because even the name Jedi comes from Jedi Geki. I'm mispronouncing that horribly, but it was a uh, genre of Japanese samurai films. And Toshiro Mifune was incredibly oh. famous as as the as one of the most famous samurai in those movies. He was in The Seven Samurai. He was in Rashomon. He was in Yojimbo. He was Yojimbo, or he was the main character at least in uh, Yojimbo. Uh, he's all through those movies, and he wow. I think turned the role down. But he would have been a great casting choice. But and in you the could spirit see it as well, in the in the even yeah. in the nature of the way they fight, like the especially in the original trilogy, it, they all do full samurai stances when they yeah. go into like fight one on one. Um, exactly. Yeah. And 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 actually, I mean the. The, we could talk about. I could talk for a long time about the influence of Japanese cinema on Star Wars. But anyway, uh, in the spirit of Toshiro Shout out Mifune, comments, if you want to hear that episode? We'll uh, yes, I will happily do it. Uh, Ken Watana learn and listen. Ken Watanabe or Watanabe. I I hope yes. I'm not. Yeah, he I think could be a really good. I think he could be if you're going to continue in that spirit. Yeah. Uh, he's also Japanese. Toshiro Mifune was Japanese, and I think he would nail that part. Uh, yeah, he he's yeah, one of my favorite. Whenever he shows up in a film, I just like the scene instantly gets like ten percent more badass. Like he shows up yeah. in Godzilla, and like every time he says the word Godzilla, I'm like, ew, yeah, Godzilla, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I love it. Um, the last major one I had was C-3PO because I was like, oh, this mm. could be really fun. And so I had, um, depending on which direction you go, you can go either way, uh, but either Kevin Hart or Eddie Murphy. <laughs> I just thought it would be so <laughs> That's such a different... It would be you so went such different. a different direction. It would be so different, but I just couldn't get it out of my head, the <laughs> idea of making C-3PO walk around like, hey, man, what you doing? Like, it just, it would be yeah. like full Kevin Hart... <laughs> Like, oh, it would just, I would be, I would I, I, I went more in the spirit of the original sure. and suggested uh, Richard Ayoade oh, as C-3PO. Yeah. Oh, my word. Yeah. Or Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle could so Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Don, yeah, that would be yeah. fun. Uh, and I, of course, I think we've, he's proven he can do it already because he's played the role before. Donald Glover would be a great Lando. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, for sure. I was like, he, it's, yeah. it's like, it's the, it's the best part about that solo sort of movie. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, I have like an unhealthy obsession with Donald Glover anyway. Uh, I think that uh, he is incredible at everything he does. I think he could probably could have played every single one of those roles because he's probably one of the most talented people in the, in the universe. I would have watched that. I yeah. would have watched that for sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would definitely. Yeah. I would watch. Just, just, just uh, Donald Glover the entire yeah. cast. Yeah, in fact, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm the changing the all of my choices now to, to Donald, Donald Glover. Glover. I think even like, the background extras, like everyone, is just Donald Glover. <laughs> yeah, the, all the stormtroopers take their helmets okay. off. It's just Donald Glover oh, underneath. Okay, cool. um, <laughs> even the Tie Fighters have little Donald Glover like faces on them. <laughs> like, <laughs> he makes all the sound effects with his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would pay cash money for that. I would definitely pay yeah. cash money. Can someone do like even like five minute of a deep fake version of that film? Uh, with just, like if someone solo could, I, the Glover cut the Glover cut yeah I because that's probably what happened is that he just mocapped everything and then they just got people to like overlay the, their faces or whatever yeah um, but uh, yeah no I do uh, and for R two D two I had Tony Cox 
Huh. Uh, who was a suggestion, a friend of mine had suggested, uh, after listening to our original Wizard of the Rings, had suggested him for Gimli. And I was thinking, he's, he's a little person, and in the spirit of Kenny Baker, had played, uh, had famously played R2-D2 in the original trilogy, we, uh, I think Tony Cox could do it. Oh. He's a, he's actually a very he's a good oh, actor. He's legitimately yes, very good. Yes, I uh, yeah. he's in uh, Bad Santa. Um, wow, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's in Bad Santa. Me myself, Irene, uh, Beetlejuice. Although, oh man, Beetlejuice, that film scared me so deeply as a child that I cannot watch it still to this day. It's truly it is truly some deep seated pain for me watching thinking about that film. Um, so yeah, that was a that was a that was a good Wizard of the Rings. Uh, Unati will yeah. be back for our next one because we're going to have to do Star Trek. <laughs> Unati oh, will care okay. about the next one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so now we're throwing shade at me. Like the one who's going to hey. be attacked by hey. swarms of people. I'm I'm picking sides now. <laughs> yeah, in this fight, I'm going to pick the side I think is going to win. So Unati, I'm with you on this one, okay? Like I said, she does kung fu classes. Uh, <laughs> she will take us all out. <laughs> She's a one-woman yeah, army. indeed. And she can pay for an army if she doesn't want to do it herself. That's the thing. It's true. These, these gems, I'm, like, I can't stress enough. They're not running out. Um, but no, seriously, next Wizard of the Rings, uh, I think we're gonna stay, we will stay in space and we will move over to Star Trek because I genuinely would like to do yeah. uh, Star Trek uh, anyway. Yeah. We can get on to the conversation of Whoopi Goldberg, uh, who brings everyone mm-hmm. uh, an incredible amount of joy. Uh Yes. I hope that you have enjoyed this uh, latest episode of Three Black Halflings. Uh, we have enjoyed bringing it to you. Thank you very much, and I hope you have a lovely day. Bye. 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 Woo. Uh, a def- def- excuse me, a definitely uh, an understandable reaction. <laughs>